Hey, this is senior swimming and volleyball captain Timothy Jimenez, and you're listening to the State of the Marauders podcast, sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state for high school sports. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the State of the Marauders podcast, where we will cover everything about your St. Peter's Prep Marauders. This week, in our alumni segment, we're going to feature Matt Russell, class of 2019, and on the Water Rewind, we're going to talk about one of the most exciting rivalry games in the past few years between your footy marauders, yes, footy, football, football, and the Courtney Cardinals back in 2018 that won them the division title. We can always be found on any of the listening devices on Apple, on Spotify, on Anchor, you name it, we're there. So be sure to search State of the Marauders. Or follow us on our social media profile at SOT Marauders to see all of the exclusive Marauder content. As always, I am your host, Renato Rodriguez, along with my excellent co-host, Chris Emera and Jay Post. Jay's finally back. So, guys, how are we feeling this week? Feeling all right so far. Uh, you know, trying to shake off the rain from Saturday. Oh, yeah, that was of- pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, hopefully looking at a more clear forecast this week, we're kind of into the dog days of summer at this point. It's dog either hot or it's raining. So Did you guys see that uh, that, that flooding in the Ironbound in Newark? <laughs> JJ definitely saw it. I'll uh, I'll let him talk about that. Yeah, I had a, uh, a brisk walk down to Red Bull Arena for Saturday in hopes of a game. That did not happen. And then a brisk walk back. Uh, JJ did not have a brisk walk. So, yeah, excited to get back into none of that St. Peter's related, but I'm excited to get into some prep related content for the week. Got to talk with Maddie Russ. Excited to bring that content to you. With that being said, I'm going to let JJ moan about uh, how awful his commute was Saturday. Yeah, you could say many things about my commute. Brisk would not be one of them. So, Waze apparently was not aware that the on ramp in Newark had flooded and uh, was, had not prepared any other routes to get around it. So I spent, you know, a solid 10 minutes yelling at ways to try to figure out a new route as I drove, I did a U-turn and drove back the other way through Newark and circled around through the, you know, the, the nice burnt out husk of some factory buildings by Secaucus. Eventually I made my way in to find out there was uh, no parking at Red Bull Arena. And, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Away. Secaucus. Secaucus? Are you not? Secaucus, fine. Secaucus. Okay, sorry. I had the butt in there for any self-respecting viewer of this podcast i hope you don't call it secaucus secaucus Secaucus. some very nice scenery as i drove into red bull arena and where i found out there was no parking at red bull arena and parked a couple blocks away only to find out that three hours after getting to the stadium and seeing zero soccer there would not be a soccer game playing oh man so so jay and chris you guys must have been pissed huh I mean, I live pretty close. I wasn't that mad. JJ was a lot more disappointed mad. disappointed that they didn't just let us go home when it was pretty obvious we were not playing the game. Well, you know why they do that, right? Why yeah, do well, that? I know why. It's just, I mean, like, I felt like it was With a pretty money, obvious, you know, look at the radar. And the, and the, yeah, they get the money from inside the stadium. A lot yeah. of concession cash. Of course. Every, every professional team does that. The Yankees, the Mets, Rebels, everybody. everybody yeah. Everybody needs money. Everybody needs money. So... We have some some very exciting news to talk about this week, so let's get right to it. 
and very exciting news this week. Jack Carey, former prep legend of the baseball team, he graduated in 2018. He got selected by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Let's get a round of applause for Jack Carey. Yes. The Mets defeaters. The Mets, the Mets defeaters, yes. He was chosen in the 11th round, 313th overall. And for those of you who didn't get a chance to see Jack Carey play for the Marauders, I mean, this guy was an absolute animal, okay? In his senior season, he was first team All-State as a first baseman, and he also pitched as well. He led the Marauders to the Hudson County Championship, which is the last time that they would win it up until this point. On the hill, he was 4-1 with 83 strikeouts and 17 walks in 49 and one-thirds inning. And at the at the plate, he batted. Look, look, look at this, 427 and had a 537 on base percentage, a 760 slugging, and an OPS of 1.3. If you know your statistics, an OPS of 1.3 is pretty much incredible. So he also had 25 RBIs and 28 runs scored. I mean, <laughs> Jack Jack Carey did it all the prep. He went to Duke. And then he started this season getting up five runs while only recording one out. So he had a horrible, horrible start to the season. But down the stretch, man, he, he was Duke's ace. In the month of May, he went 2-0 in four starts, 27 innings pitch, with a 2.33 ERA. I mean, he, he was incredible. The Duke pitching staff was also incredible. They won the ACC Baseball Championship. Jack started 15 games this year for the Blue Devils while putting in a team-leading 68.2 innings of work. And his 15 games started were tied for 10th most all-time by a Duke pitcher in a single season. So leading the team in quality starts, he was an animal for Duke. Hopefully, Pittsburgh treats him well. We wish him luck because, you know, Jack's our guy here at the podcast. So, again, congratulations to Jack Kerr. In other news... Prep continued their seven on sevens, but this time it was a little bit of a quasco, which wasn't really like a tournament, which is more like, you know, like a practice run. Didn't really count for anything. But they faced off against Woodbridge, Red Bank Catholic, South Brunswick High School, up at Woodbridge High School. And as of now, this is going to be the last seven on seven as the team will head off into their summer break after this week before coming back in August to prepare for the preseason. So, yes, that means we'll have a preview soon for the football team. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be an excellent preview. I hope try to get all the coaches to come in, to get some players to come in as well. So it should, should be an exciting, exciting preseason ahead for your football marauders who are ranked 34th in the country right now, according to High School Football America. So, again, they're 34th. Guess who's ahead of them, guys? Anyone to guess who's ahead of them? It's Bergen Catholic. Bergen Catholic is ahead Catholic. of them. Yes. yes. But it is worth noting that the team that has started out first every year in the last like four or five years has not ended up winning the state title. I assume. Prep was first this year and they did not finish first. Joe's was first the year before. They did not finish first. Prep was first the year before. Also did not finish first. I think, oh, Don Bosco was first the year before that and they did not so, win. So the key there is to start to... And strong, right? Start second because the second, second place team, I think, has won every time. So if prep, prep right now is ranked second, so you know, 
watch this space because I am a uh, very superstitious fella. Oh, me too. Uh, so sec- if second is place, on our side here. The history, the recent thing. history has been very positive for the second place. So the last piece of news we got this week is the same news that we had last week in which registration still open for Preps Baseball Youth Summit Camp in August. So make sure you follow at SPP Baseball on Twitter for all the details. Their next camp is August 2nd to the 5th. So sign up today if you're interested in participating. Again, all the coaches will, will be there helping out. You might see some of the current players as well. Maybe some former alums as a football camp show, some alums, even some NFL players stop by. So again, if you're interested in learning more about St. Peter's Prep Baseball, make sure you follow at SVP Baseball and sign up for their youth summer camp in August. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Prep Athletic Summer News. So, Matt Russell, he, he was a three-year rugby player graduating in 2019. He also played in the JV squad for hockey. And, as Chris and Jay would know, he was a broadcaster for hockey with Preps TV Studio. A lot of the accolades are, are, are presented about this interesting character. You know, there's a lot of great accolades there. But with that being said, I want to welcome in personally. My former student, your best friend, this week's alumni spotlight, welcome in Matt Russell. Welcome to the State of the Marauders Alumni Spotlight, sponsored by Siabra's Market, located on 1313 Galloping Hill Road in Union, New Jersey. You'll find a huge variety of products in our stores, from the freshest fruit and vegetables to the tastiest meat and fish. Visit your local Siabra's Market store today. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, back again this week for the Alumni Spotlight. Uh, we're going to hear from a very special character in the annals of St. Peter's Prep history, a beloved uh, friend of, of mine and sure of many other people in my, in my close friends group, uh, Matt Russell, who has, uh, during his time at St. Peter's, he played uh, three years of rugby. He played a couple of years of JV hockey. Uh, me and Matt got pretty close when uh, we were doing TV studio together. Matt was our color commentator for the uh, hockey uh, broadcast and also helped along uh, on behind the scenes on a few more other sports. I think you were there for one of the water polo broadcasts as well, yeah. soccer. So, yeah, Matt uh, was kind of my my guide through the hockey sphere uh, in the high school hockey realm so i appreciate him for that hopefully got some at least okay broadcasts up but with all that being said i'll hand it over to matt matt how are you doing buddy i'm doing well i'm doing well a little tired just got off from work but yeah you know same here but (laughs) you know it's all about all about the love of the game and the love for the saint peter's so exactly Uh, so just to start off we want to get a little bit of you know background on you so uh you know you're a little bit more local than a lot of the other people I spoke to so far this week. So how did you end up uh, at St. Peter's in the first place? Well, I came from a legacy of going there. My grandfather went there. My uncles went there. My dad went there. Looked at, I mean, I looked at the other schools in the area. Prep ended up being the best fit for me. So yeah, uh, Matt is a local to uh, one of the great cities in the country. Jersey City, New Jersey. 
yes, sir. Uh, ring endorsement uh, of the place St. Peter's calls a home. Uh, so, you know, he obviously had a little bit of a shorter commute than Paul and Liam that we uh, talked to this week or uh, over the course of the summer. Uh, but yeah, Matt is, uh, Matt, I would say, is a true prep man. He's gone through the years uh, loving St. Peter's through his father and his father's father, of course. Uh, so, you know, nice to pass on that tradition and be able to have the involvement that you did. So uh, also with that being said, uh, so uh, obviously you graduated the same year as me, so we've both moved on to college. So where are you heading to now and what are you involved in up there? I'm at St. Michael's College. I'm part of the art and design program. Hoping to go into animation. Played rugby for a year. The team wasn't quite what I wanted in like the people I was around on a daily basis. But I am joining the dive team this upcoming semester. That's exciting. Nice new adventure for you, I guess, after uh, your time at St. Peter's. Obviously, you had uh, the three years of rugby that we mentioned, time primarily. Uh, growing up, you were a hockey player. Um, uh, with all that being said, uh, and all the athletic memories you have, both as a broadcaster and a player, and even thinking back to you know your time in the classroom and your time at prep, what would you say is your favorite memory that you have, most treasured memory you have at St. Peter's? I have to say, one of my favorite one was favorite memories was coming from one of our broadcasts was when there was a solid like two minutes between a whistle where the goalie was freezing the puck behind the net. And we just had to figure out how to fill that dead air time that usually doesn't come with commentating a hockey game. Yeah, that was a, that was a funny one. I don't remember why that it was a bizarre delay game penalty for a penalty that you were telling me did not exist in high school or probably It was one of those things like I had just never seen happen before either. So I was just like, what? It's it's one of those where it's just like it happens so rarely where it's just like, what do we even call? (laughs) The officials just get confused because they're like they're they were taught specifically not to do this. So why are they doing it? Yeah, especially at the caliber of hockey we were watching and getting to commentate. It was yeah. a, I just remember he froze it behind he went to freeze it behind the net, which I personally in like my 10 years of playing hockey had never seen a goalie do. And I was just very, very confused. Yeah, that, that was one of the I think that was a Bishop Eustace, one of those uh beatdown games against against uh Bishop Eustace that we got to commentate. So yeah. Um we, got, we could probably go on all day about the war stories we have from commentary that came out in uh, uh, by Turtleback Zoo versus Seton Hall when Ty Stewart from his stomach. And uh, uh, what, what a game that was. Were you in, God, were you in the car with us where I think Prokop got like rear ended by someone on the way to the game? <laughs> I was in I was in the other car with Dan uh, and you guys we were in we were driving and Dan Dan uh, told me you got a text from Prokop just got into an accident we'll be a little 
<laughs> yeah, I think we were we were all jammed in the car with Hudson as well. Like it was you, me, and I think like someone else. I think Laszlo, one of the freshmen. I don't think Laszlo's there. I think it might have been Matt. I think it was Matt Page. Yeah, it was Matt Page. Yeah. I was just like, because I remember, I think we watched it happen. Or we were right by it and we were like, I wonder what happened with that. And then it ended up being broke up. That was, that was a funny one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you ever question the, uh, the, the work ethic of your TV studio uh, members and of your hockey players at St. Peter's Prep, uh, you know, Steve Prokop was in a car accident about like an hour before a game uh, and he played and they won and he got there yeah. on time. So, you know, never, never let that one, never let that be lost on you that St. Peter's means enough to people to friggin' keep playing, even if they got into a car wreck. <laughs> But with all that being said, uh, now that I think we have a couple treasured memories out on the table of our time as broadcasters, especially, uh, I want to go a little bit more in depth on your, uh, you know, your thoughts about, you know, what important things you really learned at St. Peter's Prep. You know, what was really your takeaways from four years at Prep that, you know, kind of a special place for you and a special place for us. What would you say is the most important thing that you learned at St. Peter's, academic or otherwise? I think a lot of it came from like you, you built a community of your friend group you have around you. And like, even though you'd be in certain, like I was mostly an athlete, but I knew you really well from TV studio. How it's like you become friends with people in aspects of stuff you didn't realize you really had a lot of interest in until you find like three or four people like you, me, Dan and Daly, we pretty much, and then JJ, we pretty much brought a lot of the broadcasting to life during our time there. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny the way the, that kind of effect that prep has, it's just kind of bringing people together from all sorts of different places. I mean, JJ, uh, JJ Mead and Daly are kind of, primarily media folks, I guess. Mike Daly, uh, shout out to Mike Daly. I don't think he's ever come up when we've, when we've been on this podcast. Uh, Mike Daly is still uh, going strong, commentating sports at Seton Hall. Uh, Didn't he get like, awards and stuff for what he's doing? He did, I think. I think he did. Uh, one of my good friends, um, John McCooch, uh, is uh, part of that broadcast team at Seton Hall. He knows Daly well, and Daly's still, still jogging. So shout out to Mike Daly because, you know, that, that was a guy yeah, that did a, he did a he did a lot of heavy lifting in his uh in his years at prep with the live streaming it's and uh with the tv studio shout yeah. out to he's, i'm shocked he's not come up before i really don't think we've ever brought him up really so, yeah that's bizarre because me and jj are both tv studio guys but uh yeah you know mike daly we were all kind of traditional media guys whereas you know guys like you and even Mark, who is not like a media guy, but he was a, more of a film guy. You're a, an athlete. Dan's an athlete. But, you know, he still had some media interests. We were just like, you know, we were just the, the, the elite crew of kind of a rotating crew as well of just, you know, people that were getting it done. That was uh, in the <laughs> Christmas video, too. All the Christmas video. Oh, man. Shout out Mr. Trotta as well, although he's no longer at 
at prep, he was also doing a lot. He was doing the most heavy lifting of anybody. So he'll probably drinking an ungodly amount of coffee on a daily basis. <laughs> he, he was, uh, he was hopped up on coffee all the time. Shout out Mr. John. But dude, remember, remember like the days, like right before the videos were due, it was just like, we were all there to like at least eight, just that, that let it be sad. shooting it, editing it anything in between we need to get done <laughs> yeah that was tv studio days or something special yeah but from there i think we'll pivot more into you know talking about your athletic career at st peter's so um you were a uh rugby athlete for all for three of your four years uh obviously rugby kind of a smaller program not just in the state but or not just in uh at st peter's but in the state, uh, there's not many high schools that carry rugby. What was that experience like uh, playing rugby at St. Peter's? It was fun because the sport was really fun, but a lot of it was just kind of makeshift as we went. Because our practice field was the little grassy knoll behind our actual field. <laughs> You'd have to dodge lacrosse balls during practice. That's pretty funny. Uh, so obviously rugby still a small and growing program at St. Peter's. Not many other schools carrying it, as I mentioned already. Uh, what is a moment that you can think of um, during your three years with the with that team that you know really stucks out to you as kind of your most treasured memory from that? I think pulling on the varsity jersey junior year after I'd gone through a few other sports trying to get the coveted P. And I remember I was going up against like two minutes in, I had like this 300 and something pound kid running right at me. I, I tackled him down, but he ended up falling like right on top of me. Everyone went quiet because this was against Hudson Catholics. So it was a big, like our big county championship as we joked about. <laughs> and I just remember doing a full like, pat of my body and then just a thumbs up to my parents who were in the crowd and my grandparents who were in the crowd just like yep i'm good <laughs> that's a that's a fun one i like that that's like uh oh what else, what other sports are like that because there's a couple i guess not hockey they i think they used to play bayon but they don't anymore but um yeah no i i guess that's kind of unique in that respect the hudson county champ i guess carney bayon is kind of the hudson county championship for hockey now yeah, uh, which you know isn't that a funny game? But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in any event, uh, you also played uh, some JV hockey uh, during your during your uh, your four years. I believe your your freshman and senior year, junior like, year, junior year. Okay, yes, I, I'm sorry, I was all out of a lot of whack from that. So, uh, freshman and junior year, you would play some uh, JV hockey. Uh, what were some some big memories you had, uh, you know, playing under Coach Roach, uh, <laughs> Coach Roach with uh, with the JV? Coach, the funniest it, junior year, I show I came on the team late, like a few weeks in the season. Somehow I ended up being like an unofficial semi captain role, where all I really would kind of do was like poke fun at Coach when I was in practice. I, at that point, I knew I wasn't going varsity, but like I loved hockey so much, I was just having fun being able to go back putting skates on and stuff. 
And it was just funny because I remember one game I had my old like Bayonne ways of playing hockey came out and I was just going for hits and I don't know how many hits I had, but I remember one of my fondest memories was we had our playoff bracket. I didn't play the first game. And I remember I was sitting in my dad's office day of the second game or day of the yeah, second game was supposed to play and I wasn't supposed to play it. And I got the email of saying, bring your stuff. You're playing. Cause like, keep in mind before the first game, all of the guys on the team who were like freshmen at the time were like, it's kind of crap that you're not able to play this game. Like you've been with us this whole season. Cause there were two JV teams. One that was more of kind of a freshman team. And one that was a JV team that would be playing like, Bosco's and all the regular teams regularly while our team was just in a conference a high school conference in Wayne and I just remember the boys were so happy that I was bringing the pads and playing that game we ended up losing because Ramsey ended up bringing at least a line of varsity players down to play us which we can couldn't you know yeah couldn't compete with them but it was just I remember that that was my last game and then actually another good memory from that year was our the game before the playoff game I didn't play was a non-conference Xavier game just and I remember getting like the game winning goal I mean we ended up winning like 10 to 2 or something like that 10 to 1 or something like that like it was it was the second goal after they had scored. So it was still technically the game winner. <laughs> and I, I just remember like everyone on the bench just going nuts because I had finally scored. And I remember they also let me for that last game, they let me lead them in an Ave before the game. And none of them had known what it was. Really? Yeah. That's bizarre to me. It was it was honestly really it was fun to finally lead one of them yeah no that sounds that sounds awesome yeah Yeah. i i uh, there are a lot of a lot of you know that that kind of prep community can kind of lift you up in that way we've had a we've had a a couple people come on like that kevin diaz was kind of uh we had him on uh kind of stressed you know how much he loved the community he had uh, with his team, the soccer team, especially after he got hurt to end his high school career. So obviously this, this part of community is very important. So with that in mind, uh, with this kind of ever changing prep community, the four year and four year out um, the next, the next generation and the generation below us right now, getting ready to leave St. Peter's or getting ready to go in for the first time. What do you think is uh, a piece of advice you would give to them? I think just embrace your time there. Because I just, like, just in the blink of an eye, it'll be done. I definitely agree with you there. Uh, It does go by fast. That's kind of been uh, a theme that we've also gone through with with these interviews, people making sure, like, hey, it's four years, and it does not feel like four years. Like, you got to make sure that you take every second of it uh, as it comes. Even Because I'll I'll say, like, you'll get miserable at some points. Like, junior year is kind of – hell for lack of better words because you're figuring out where you're going what you're going to do but even at that time embrace the people around you 
and just enjoy your time there as difficult as it could get at times and take advantage of the retreats. Yeah. Do not do what I did. I did not do either of the retreats. Really? Yeah. Nope. Did not do Kairos. Did not do MS. Damn. I do regret not doing it though, but. And also join TV studio. Join uh, TV studio. I'm not even sure if it's still running. I don't think it is, but (sighs) I know, I know, but uh, if it is, or if you have interest in doing it, uh, contact, you know, somebody, uh, contact student government, contact. uh, Well, that's, that's another big thing. It's like, if you want to take an initiative to do something at prep, there is the support behind it. Like if you get a following of like, like the prime example is like with us with TV studio before our freshman year, I think primarily it was just doing the Christmas video and that was it safe to say, or just about that. And I think daily would do some commentary. There was a, uh, there was our, our freshman year. It was uh, Frank Coleman did Frank Coleman and one of the henchmen, I'm so sorry. I forget his name every time I talk about this, but Frank. Oh, no, I know exactly. the weekly check-in or whatever. Yeah, the weekly, whatever that weekly show was. And then after he, after they graduated, the following year was pretty much just the Christmas video. Yeah. And then like with us, cause you had two athletes and then two media guys who just knew sports, like you, you and daily, like knew so much about sports. And then you had Dan and I who were like, this is fun. Well, also Dan's a phenomenal commentator, all things considered. I'm glad I got to work with him on a few baseball games. Yeah. Such a fun, fun guy to commentate with. But like we primarily started the whole commentary and sports streaming with the five or six of us who really wanted to keep doing it. So if there's something like in particular you really want to see in the community, try to find some people that want to do it and like talk to someone. And for the most part, they'll be supportive of what you want to do. Yeah. The support network, the support network prep was a uh, very, very accommodating of that sort of thing. If you just get a, a nice group of a decent group of people, probably like 10 people max, you can, you know, you can set out and do a whole new thing. Like I remember my, our sophomore year, when Noah was at prep, he got the MMA club, which, you know, it was just sitting in Mr. Q's room and watching MMA clips, yeah. but he got that up and running off the ground from scratch, you know, just by asking around like, Hey, would you guys be interested in doing this? And we got it figured out. You don't really hear about new clubs kind of popping up at St. Peter's, but like, it's really not a terribly difficult thing to establish. No, I mean, the video game club became a lot bigger when we were in our time there. Yeah. I don't know if it came to fruition when we were there, but through our few years of being there, I remember its popularity going up and it holding like the tournaments and the whole nine yards like that. Yeah, definitely. So that's our, our two nuggets of wisdom for this. You know, enjoy, enjoy your time while you're at prep and take initiative. If you want to do something, they'll be accommodating to it. Yeah. That being said, uh, I think I'll tie a bow on this one. Thank you, Matt. Uh, for coming on uh, of course really thank you for having me yeah it's no problem man uh, we appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, for us um, and that being said I'll hand it back over to you Renato so thank you to Matt for taking the time this week to sit down with Chris and of course as always Chris thank you again for, for conducting the interview 
And I, I feel like it's now time to talk about one of the biggest games in, in, in prep history. You guys agree? One of the biggest games in prep history? In the grand scheme of the soccer team, most likely one of the biggest it's played. Soccer history, uh, yes. Up until – Remains to be seen, I'd say. Of ones that have ended in wins, maybe. Of ones that have – in ones in general, no. But definitely of ones that they figured out how to get wins, absolutely. So for most of those sports programs at prep, you know, we, 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 we play against Hudson County opponents. And, and my opinion – for, for most of these teams, there are two main rivals, okay? We know about the rivalry between us and Bayonne, you know, the, the cross-town rivalry. It's like the Yankees and the Mets, practically. But I also get the feeling that, that Carney, in particular in soccer and volleyball, are our second biggest in-county rivals. I get the feeling you're wrong. Yeah, this is just not correct. How's that? Uh, correct? So we have been. Well, we, name, we one did, other, name one other sport other than baseball that you ever had a major attendance event between Bayonne and St. Peter's. I want. I, I want it to be considered here that Bayonne is not super relevant in most sports against St. Peter's, excluding baseball. Because I mean, really, when a team is not beating you frequently, except for baseball. It's not really a big rivalry. I you pointed think this out in the Marauder Nation comment section, but the year Bayonne beat St. Peter's in baseball, and that was a big controversy, I astutely observed that they hadn't beaten St. Peter's in a single other sport they played them in. Like yes. literally eight other sports, it was over eight. It's and worth noting. It's to baseball. They are a very good baseball team, but it's really hard to make the case for rivalry when there's just no other significant wins. It's also worth noting that even in sports where Carney is not as good, like basketball, where they are awful and garbage, they beat St. Peter's. When St. Peter's was going head-to-head with Hudson Catholic, those teams that didn't quite get over the hump, but they were going head-to-head with Hudson Catholic, they ended up hanging a loss on them at the barn. And Carney, always a very active group always well attended Carney hates st peter's and st peter's hates Carney. hudson catholic is the other big rivalry and i think there's an argument to be had as we've been talking about right. like they are you know they don't really beat us in anything else but basketball, basketball. is a huge yeah. sport and you i mean it's that the basketball rivalry is bigger than all the other rivalries combined and that just gives it precedence in itself especially when you consider the talent at play when you think about the players that hudson catholic and saint peter's have had over the years you're talking about really marquee players that have made it made the jump to the next level like bayonne prep in most sports except for baseball is just not especially relevant so that's i mean that's my two cents on the matter i'm also a little biased towards carney as a, someone that Grew up in Harrison. I can't stand Carney. I hope we beat the piss out of them in every sport we play them in. But, you know, I, I just think I, I, I really don't think that Bayonne is a major rivalry, at least when we were in school. I don't remember Bayonne really being anywhere close to the level of Carney or Hudson Catholic. So we'll, we'll put a poll on, on this on, on our social media. We'll put a poll. We'll see what the, what the fans have to say about this because it, it, it's an interesting argument, interesting debate. So Stay tuned for that on our social media page and make sure you vote on that poll. But we'll talk about this game first, okay? Welcome to Rotter Rewind, sponsored by the Tona Bene Group. They provide leadership solutions for nonprofit organizations 
as well as professional fundraising, executive solutions, and sales for New Jersey businesses. For more information, call 201-932-0100 today. That's 201-932-0100. Heading into Prep Carney 2018, the second match, it was sandwiched between the Hudson County Tournament Games and this essentially, you know, would be the division ceiling game, you know, based upon the results moving forward in the county and state playoffs, though. Maybe, guys, sh- shouldn't they have not have sandwiched the, the, the county game in a way that would be sandwiched in between the county quarterfinals and the county semifinals? I have a lot to say about the way the schedule was made this year, uh, and I'm going to hold my tongue on most of it. Okay. But a lot of, a lot of the way that this schedule was structured down the stretch – with the game against uh, St. Benedict's right before the state playoffs, the game against Kearney uh, to decide the division pretty much in the middle of the Hudson County playoffs. It was all a little strange, I would say. I don't think it's very helpful to the teams to still be playing league games when they're in the playoffs. Uh, let me just, I'm just going to chime in. I do agree, you know, on that in the sense that it was just, it felt like they backloaded the schedule, whether it was St. Peter's scheduling with the Benedict's game and whether it was the county and how they scheduled it you had a lot of important games being played on the final two week stretch of the season. And they kind of, you know, both in the sense of preparation, you don't, it's, it's difficult to really get, you know, worked up for, you know, a, a game against a team like Carney when you haven't played a team of Carney's level until that first game, but also in the sense that it's easy to get worn down when you are having to, you know, use everybody on the roster, every 100%, you know, effort, all 90 minutes, and you have to do that against Carney twice. You have to do that against Union City. You have to do that against St. Benedict's. So not only is it, you know, a, for mentally, is it, you know, it kind of wears you down when you inevitably lose one of those games at minimum St. Benedict's, and then they end up using, losing to Union City. They had a draw against Carney. So not only is the mentally it's difficult to get through those games where you're, you have to sustain multiple tough results, but also physically it just wears you down when you haven't had any game of that magnitude up until that point nor have you had any sort of rest in between those games once they actually arrive. So, Chris and Jay, you guys were both at this game, right? So, so talk to us about what you guys experienced on that faithful night on October 15th, 2018. Well, it was a it was an extremely pro carny crowd. There were, wow. we were broadcasting and I'm sure you could pick it up on the feed. This is at Lincoln Park. So, really even though it is in Jersey City, Lincoln Park getting from you know one and nine to to Lincoln Park and getting through trudging through Jersey City traffic from downtown to Lincoln Park, you're probably looking at about 15 minutes for either team to get there. So it was almost like a neutral venue. And Kearney is a, a town that gets real worked up about their soccer. So a team, a team like that that was competing, I mean, in this case for a league title. St. Peter's hadn't beaten them in forever. It looked like it would have been a home game for them in a game where they could, you know, kind of assert themselves after that first overtime period between those two teams. I think both, I mean, at the, at the end of the game, I think both teams could say they had a fair argument to have won after they ended up tying. But down the stretch, Carney had a bunch of big chances. Yuli came up huge a few times. And I mean, that, that was, so coming in, you're looking for a resolution in this. It's not really a like you were not sure at that point who would be fighting for what in the county that year because you had a bunch of teams 
you had Harrison who play who don't play in uh, that same division, even though I've, even though they're you know bordering Carney, but that's kind of besides the point. You had Union City who I mean they had a worse record than both these teams, but Union City had beaten Carney and Prep I think at this point in the year. So you really had a wide open county, but right now you had two teams that had been dominant down the stretch in their last in their last 14 games combined to the season they went 13 and 1 together so these were the two hottest teams in the county facing each other to decide who was the regular season champ to get the red league title and for St. Peter's a team that hadn't beaten Carney in a while the emotion was high but they i mean they started off hot and uh, it was Antonio Caligari who was the guy that you know broke it open. You know he he's, he was the talesman of this team really for a solid two years, and you know also his sophomore year was a, he was a pretty you know solid big factor. He was a player that you know you, if you had to put money on a player scoring in that game, it was going to be him. He was the leading scorer that season. He was the leading scorer next season. He's a player that you know the prep team really relied on to. If they wanted to put him up top, he would do a job there. If they wanted to move him back to a ten, he could create. And he, he got on the. He got on the end of a, a was a pretty good cross. I forget who crossed him, but it was a nice cross. He he beat his man and just you you knew in a one on one situation you, you gotta trust Tony to score that and he did. He slotted it home, ran over to it was like he was a, a relatively decent you know for for prep soccer you know context is important in terms of crowds you know no one's really gonna be holding your heads in a you know in a mute and in amazement at having 25 people in the crowd but for prep soccer that's as good as you're gonna get and it, you know and i i've long been a proponent of quality over quantity in the in the fan section and that was a it was a loud bunch there they were making their note presence heard and when tony came over there to celebrate with the group you could hear there was a certain energy you know a certain sense of we can do this and that that really set the tone i think you know for the night at least for saint peter's yeah and this was a one of the things you could kind of tell about this team is that this was not a team that resented Carney from a, I can't believe, you know, we still can't beat these guys. This was a, we hate this team and we need to beat them. We are good enough to get this done. We have to do it. And that was brought on the culture by guys like Jake Brozon, guys like Yuli, who are just guys that, were not willing to accept the way things had gone the years before from, you know, you, you, you go to Harvey every year and it's a guaranteed loss. And that was just the way it was. And that could, that was not acceptable to those guys. And Kyle, obviously as the captain was a key in that as well. But I just remember Yuli and Jake is they're kind of the most kind of the firebrands of this team, the guys that are a lot more amped and a lot more in tune with the energy. But I mean, it was a lead that wouldn't hold. Ultimately, Yuli made a couple of uh, big saves in the first half to keep things even, but eventually a long looping set piece from Carney would end up hitting the head of Jerson Ruiz. He would get one uh, just beyond uh, Yuli's reach. It was really a perfect ball. It's one of those balls with the keeper. Yeah. The keeper the keeper doesn't know whether to come out or to stay. Uh, and those ones are dangerous. As a, as a former keeper myself, I, I 100% agree with that. that. That was a 50-50. Do you go for it? Do you not go for it? He went for it. He couldn't. He just quite missed it, so. Yeah, just a bit shy of it. It was unfortunate. And, you know, it, it's an explosion from the Carney side. It was, I mean, you go into that, you got a lot of momentum going the other way. That's a Carney, also worth noting, that was a Carney team playing with a lot on their minds that year. That was the year that one of their former teammates who had been playing at Rutgers Newark 
I think it was his name was Adrian, and he's a player at Rutgers Newark, and he tragically died in a car wreck, I believe, before the season. So everyone was kind of going on in the season to play in tribute for them. So this was a very, this was not a bad Carney team. This was a motivated Carney team with a good roster, even though they had lost uh, Escondon, the NJ player of the year from the season prior. They were still a very good loaded team. They were shorthanded, but they were not bad. So it was always going to be a fight with Carney. It's always very physical. It's always very fiery. And eventually that boiled over. St. Peter's Prep ends up with a penalty pretty late on in the game. I believe it was about uh, eight minutes left, something like that, maybe a little bit less. And Kyle Hess, we, we like to, to joke and say Kyle did this to warm up for baseball because you would not guess that the kid was even remotely nervous for that penalty. Kyle, Kyle's a guy with just he, he's he's ice cold. I don't think I don't think he feels the pressure in the moment at all. He's just the kind of guy if he's got a job to do. He's going to go out and do it. Steps up to the spot. You get any elevation on a penalty, which is why I always, you know, yell when people miss penalties in the Euros. I'd rather you miss it high than get it saved. Like that's that's my personal opinion. On I agree. Matter, I agree with you on that. You know, he just got the ball off the ground. He got it up into the 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 upper half of the net. Always going to be hard for the keeper in high school. Near impossible for a keeper like Carney had, who was a little bit more on the uh, diminutive side, a little bit of a shorter keeper. It's almost absolutely impossible to get to a ball like that. So St. Peter's Prep takes a lead pretty late on in the game, and you could see that the gears were starting to turn. You had the discontent in the Carney crowd. Things were starting to boil a little bit. The prep crowd and uh, a bit of delirium with, I believe, almost immediately after the goal, someone's speaker was uh, playing Mo Bamba, if I can remember somebody's snap story correctly. Uh, yeah, you could hear it from the broadcast booth. You could, I think, yeah, I think you could hear it on the broadcast that they were playing. They were playing Mo Bamba. <laughs> they were having, they were having fun. Yeah, that was a that was a game. In the end, I think right after this, one of the Carney Center backs uh, teed one off from like. 50 yards out and hit the crossbar. I don't know how you do that down with like five minutes left in the game with that kind of confidence and just rattle it off the bar. Uh, Since that was a missed, scary moment. I feel safe saying this. If he scored that, that would have easily been the greatest goal in the last, in my four years at St. Peter's by any team. Oh, not it, even close. It wouldn't be particularly close. Not close. That was a bomb. It was think, an absolute rocket. I don't know if he was intending to shoot from there. He just overhit a through ball. But that thing was oh, it was a heat-seeking crossbar missile, and it just inches away from being the goal of the season, the goal of the you know the, the four years. The, the goal, goal of a while. The goal of a while. The halfway line goals are impressive, but it's almost always because the keeper's out. You just hit a pile driver from 50 yards. The keeper's in a good position. What's he going to do about it? I mean, you get you get a shot from 45 yards out, and there's nothing any goalie could do about it, not because they're out, but because they're just – you hit it with too much pace. What do you even say about it? You could tell from his body shape he was aiming for it. He was going for it, and it just ends up coming short. There was another own goal scare. I believe it was off – I think Carney player got beyond Jake Brozon. Chris Tolkien had to fill in the middle. I believe that it was a uh, ball came across. It deflected off him. Yuli had to make a big save uh, at the near post. But I mean, ultimately, St. Peter's gets the job done. They win their Redley championship. They, I mean, the first time I can remember them beating Carney in forever. I, looking back through the archives, I, I think it was 
I, I don't think on NJ.com that they have a, a game listed for the last time that they had beaten Carney before then. Because Harvey Field is hell to go to, and Carney will almost always get a result from you if they're, you know, they have a decent squad out that year. But I mean, it was it was part of what looked to be, you know, a really good St. Peter's prep season shaping up. Yeah, right. no, I mean, it was a, it was by any accounts a big result for this team because both in the you know the sense of, like you said, it, it's kind of like when we a few weeks ago we were discussing basketball and like it, it's very similar to that case and for years you felt like they had been creeping up on Carney, you know, they they had been within striking distance but never good enough to really get over the top. They were good enough to keep it within a one goal game or, you know, good enough to hang around with them for 90 minutes, but they never had that kind of final punch, the final, the final blow to actually win the game. And, you know, you, you saw it, you know, at Harvey I, at that year where, you know, they, they had gotten to the point where they managed to get an early goal. Carney got one back and they, they just hung around, you know, they, they stayed in the game. They had maybe one or two probably big chances for the rest of the game. And they just kind of survived for the the final, you know, however many minutes, you know, the final, you know, 70 minutes of the game. They just stayed around, let you, you know, save the day time after time after time again in net. And, you know, that was kind of where I thought, you know, heading into this game, we'd be in this rivalry, you know, perhaps going to be a team that, you know, they, they might be able to, you know, they're going to hang around with this team. They're going to give them a good fight. But at the end of the day, it's probably going to be, my assumption was it was going to be Carney getting most of the chances, getting most of the blows, and it's going to be how long Uli and the, you know, the prep defense can hold on for dear life. That wasn't the way this game played out. Prep was the one who struck first. Then when Carney came back, it wasn't prep, you know, hanging on for dear life to a tie. Prep had some decent, you know, punches and counter punches. And, you know, when the time came, you know, they got the penalty and there's not many other, there's, there's few other people you'd rather have on a penalty than Kyle class. Like Chris said earlier, you know, Jake and Yuli were kind of, you know, the, the firebrands of the team. They brought a lot of passion, a lot of energy. Kyle's kind of the opposite of that. You know, there was no moment in which Kyle did not have just a you know, cool, calm head. He was never going to miss that penalty because he does not get stressed out by that sort of thing. He was ready. He was calm. And he just sticks in the back of that. And you could hear, like Chris said, the, you know, the energy in the prep section was partially a little deep disbelief. Like, is this really happening? Are we ahead with eight minutes to go? You know, obviously – the, the, melodic, the melodic tunes of Mo Bamba, you know, help get the energy going. But, you know, for, for a prep crowd that coming into this game, I think would have been pretty content with a draw. The fact that they were ahead with, you know, eight minutes left really set the tone, I think. And it really, you know, proved what this team knew, which was they could be on par with Carney and they could be better than Carney. And I think that's the, that's the mentality that I think, you know, going into next year where, you know, prep won two or three against Carney and they, they nearly beat him into Harvey too. They won the home game at Caven. Then they won the County final. And then, you know, they, they, I mean, the Harvey game was kind of almost, you know, I, I am biased. So, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm sure Carney is a very different view, but the, the Harvey game was almost a wash off because prep showed up that game. You know, I was, I was in, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm guilty of this myself. We were laughing in warmups. Like we won the, County title. We got the trophy. This is what we wanted to do. There was oh, so so it was after after the county tournament. Yeah, there was minimal energy, minimal anything, and you know, and you know, Carney showed up and hung free on us immediately. And you know, even when we at the end of the game, Tony scored a brace with like five minutes left. The mood wasn't like, come on, we got this, let's go. It was just laughter. It wasn't even like you know a certain sense of like passion, like everyone's on the bench going crazy. There were people laughing on the bench, like, oh my god, are we still in this game? Is this a joke? So like. It was a it was a fun you know season. I think the the in a sense going back to you know the the 
the win over Carney in 2019 or 2018, rather, you kind of got the monkey off their back. There was no longer a weight on their shoulders. Like, when are we going to be Carney? Once you knew you could be Carney, there was a certain confidence that I think the program and, you know, especially the players that had been around for that, you know, 2018 team really came out with a certain swagger, like we beat you guys and we're going to do it again. So I think not only did it kind of provide a benchmark for St. Peter's and we can be better than Carney on our day, it was also kind of a certain sense of swagger for the players, like heading into the next season where they would win a county title, a certain sense of we own this county if we show up and do our job, which, you know, they did at the end of the day. They showed up and they beat Carney when it mattered most and they took home a trophy to show for it. So I think both in the present and in the future, that game had a pretty big impact on the prep soccer program. Right. And the team ended the 2018 season 16-4-1, which was remarkable. Even though they didn't get the county tournament that year, Jay mentioned the following year, they would beat County in the Hudson County final. And even though they haven't got any state titles yet, they came also close this past season as they lost in the final to Seen Hall Prep. But again, it looks like, as Jay mentioned, soccer is getting there in terms of, you know, relevancy within the prep athletic world out there. So, everyone, thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. Be sure to spread the word by sharing our social media profile at SOT Marauders to everyone you know and continue to check them out for all of the latest updates. See you all next week, and as always, let's go prep. Hi, this is bowling coach Carmela Schlitzer, and you are listening to the State of the Marauders podcast, sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state for high school sports.